May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Not long ago, an Arizona woman was walking up to a daycare center for, uh, to pick up her child after work, and a strong wind blew, and a beehive from a tree fell out of the tree and landed directly on the top of her head. And bees began to swarm around her, and she was stung more than 20 times in just a couple minutes before she was able to flee, get away, get into the, to the, um, the, the, the building. She was taken to the hospital and later released that day, um, but it was a, a very uh, frightening event, I'm sure. In a, in a separate event, there was a cleaning lady in Orange, Orange County, California. She left the house she was in, and she walked out to her car to retrieve a mop. And while she was walking out there, she was attacked by a swarm of Africanized bees. 80,000 bees, they estimated, um, began to attack her. From the newspaper report, the bees were almost in clusters, one of the firefighters, Ryan Wilson, told KNBC. Maybe the size of golf balls all over her. She had them on her face, around her mouth, around her ears, her neck, and hair. She was stung in a matter of a few minutes over 200 times. She survived mercifully, but only because of the brave action of these firefighters who didn't even don protective gear. They just jumped out, grabbed um, carbon dioxide um, uh, fire extinguishers and began spraying the bees and they, they, they began to, to flee from her and they got the woman quickly to the hospital. Um, but she was in intensive care and um, again, a very uh, tragic and, and near fatal event. There's an old saying that goes something like this, don't kick a hornet's nest. You don't kick them. I mean, you know, the, the idiom really is about paradigm shift, isn't it? It's like, you know, you go start some trouble, you know, watch what's going to happen. People don't accept change very well. But if you were foolish enough, I was going to say stupid, I actually wrote stupid, but if you were foolish enough to, to kick, literally kick a hornet's nest, I mean, it would just be foolhardy. You would you'd be get ready to be stung. Bees are defensive by nature. They will protect their home, their queen, um, to their own peril. So you don't kick. A hornet's nest for fun, unless you're not very smart. <laughs> um, but while no one would literally kick a hornet's nest, or at least not very many, there are times when you might need to do so figuratively. I do not have to tell you or remind you about our nation's um, shameful history with racism. Um, I wouldn't have to tell you that in the earliest part of the 20th century, and for the most part of the, the first half of it, um, segregation was a way of life in our country. People were actually expected to have separate water fountains and restrooms, separate churches and schools, neighborhoods, restaurants, all because of the color of their skin. It seems almost unthinkable. It should seem unthinkable, but it seems almost unbelievable that this was what actually happened here in our country. And there were a lot of people who began to kick that hornet's nest, knowing that they were going to get stung when they did so. But perhaps none who did it more effectively than a, a small little woman in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks. You maybe know the story. She's on a bus. She's sitting in the back of the bus in the coloreds-only section. The front part of the bus, the whites-only section, began to be too full. And, in fact, there, a, a, a passenger boarded, and there was no seats left. This passenger was white, and so the bus driver turned around and says to Mrs. Parks, um, you need to surrender your seat. And she said, no. And he says, it's not a question, right? You, you must surrender your seat. 
I'm the bus driver. I have full authority here. And she said no. And she refused. And they called the police. And she was arrested. And she still wouldn't have uh, surrendered her seat. She, um, she knew that sometimes you have to kick a hornet's nest. It's going to hurt, but you have to do it. In the lesson from the book of Acts this morning, we have this story of Paul, Silas, and Luke. Um, they are this little band of missionaries who are going into Macedonia. They've just begun their work. They have a few converts already. Um, we mentioned one last week, a, a woman called Lydia. And there are others. And so they have this, um, uh, this little band of, of believers. But they're still going to the, um, the place of prayer where the Jews meet. Just a very few handful of, of Jews in Philippi. And on the Sabbath day, uh, Paul and, and Luke and Silas go to the place of prayer to meet with these virgin Christians for Paul to preach the gospel and more come to believe. And as they're on their way in this particular story, there's this young slave girl. Luke says she has the spirit of divination. He literally says she has the spirit of python, this, this uh, kind of uh, fortune-telling snake spirit. And so she, is, um, she does that. She tells people's futures uh, for money, and her, her owners get to keep the money. So she's sort of like this uh, little sort of sideshow gimmick for them, and they go around and take her places. She's, Paul and Silas and Luke see her, but more importantly, she sees them. And she begins to cry out. She says the same thing. Um, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. Now, I don't know. Um, there's nothing untrue about that, obviously, right? And, and, and the first time they did it, Luke doesn't say. You know, the first time that this happens, there's no reaction. She does it day after day after day, and there finally is a reaction. But I kind of wondered what the first time was like, you know? I bet they thought it was kind of cute, don't you? You know, this is kind of fun. You know, They're, we got a little free publicity coming our way. And, um, you know, they just kind of ignore it and go about their lives. They keep doing their work as missionaries. But then it happens the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. It looks as day after day after day. And pretty soon it starts to weigh on Paul. He starts to become, the text says, greatly annoyed. Uh, she kept doing this for many days. Having become greatly annoyed, Paul turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. I wondered why it took so long. You know, I don't know, you like, why did he let it go on day after day? Why when the first time he saw this woman, knew that she had a spirit, but why not right then cast it out? I think two reasons primarily. First of all, and they, they both have to do with the ethnicity. Paul is a Jew. He's ministering among the Jews. There are not very many Gentile converts at this time. All the converts are Jews. They're, they're those who have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But the second part also has to do with being Jewish. I think Paul wants to keep as low a profile in Philippi to begin with as he can. You see, when you look at him, when you, if you were to look at Paul in his day, he was distinctly Jewish. He would have looked like, you know, a Hasidic Jew in Brooklyn today. I mean, there would be no doubt about it. You would know his ethnicity. Silas is saying, as soon as you saw them. And there were not very many Jews in Philippi. By design. Jews had by this time spread all over. The diaspora, had, they, they were everywhere. But in a lot of places, there were people who didn't like Jews around. And they would kick them out. It happened twice in Rome that the Jews were expelled from the city. I don't think Paul wants to stir up trouble just yet. 
I think he wants to have a kind of good persona. Um, we can tell that this is what's happened because when he does cast the spirit out, you see what happens immediately. The owners get upset and they drag Paul and Silas into the agora, into the, into the court. They drag him into the, the place of judgment and, and they bring him before the magistrates and listen what they said. Verse, uh, what is it, 20. These men are Jews. These men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to practice. We're, you know what these guys are. And here's the thing. Remember I told you that the band was Paul, Silas, and Luke. Do you notice that Paul and Silas are the only ones arrested? Do you know why Luke isn't arrested? Because he's a Gentile. He doesn't look like Paul and Silas. He looks like somebody who lives in Philippi. And so Paul and Silas are arrested and, and brought into court, but not Luke. He was us, we. But the, the, the slave girl was following us around. And now Paul and Silas are the ones who are in jail. Um, the other thing is this greatly distressed or annoyed. I think Paul doesn't immediately cast out the spirit of this girl but I don't think it's because, I don't think he eventually does it because he's, um, you know, finally just fed up with her. The word greatly annoyed could also be um, translated greatly distressed. I think it does distress Paul to see her, to see her being exploited, to see this young girl being used um, for economic reasons and, and to be treated that way. And so I think it, it weighs on him, not in a way that like, oh, will you please just go away, but more in like, I can't let this go on any longer. I'm going to have to kick this hornet's nest. And I know what's going to happen. It's not going to be pretty. And it, the exact same thing happened. They, they, they get dragged uh, before the magistrates, trumped up charges, racism fueling the whole thing. And... And then you heard what happened um, in, in, verses, uh, in verse 21. Um, they advocate customs not lawful for us as Romans to accept. The crowd joined in, in verse 22, attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. We read that as if, you know... I mean, in the same way we read Peter Pan or, or whatever. I mean, it's like it's just a story. This is a, a first-hand account. Luke saw this take place. They stripped the clothes off of these men and began to beat them, physically uh, abuse them, and then threw them into jail, locked their ankles in stocks. You know the future if, you're, if you've gone through this. Good things are not going to come out. We've only begun to feel the sting. I don't know about you. I mean, you guys are brave. I know you're brave. I'm not, you know. Um, I, I would be terrified. I mean, I could just feel myself shivering and shaking, um, you know, in, in my little jail cell there. And one of the guys, Paul or Silas, one of them, decided, let's not cower. Let's pray. And they begin to pray. And they begin to sing. They begin to sing and pray and pray and sing. And, and I think they prayed and sang like they had been taught 
for centuries by their Jewish forebears. They began to sing the Psalms and pray the Psalms. The Psalms are songs that are prayers. And they prayed them. I wondered what they prayed. And they were praising God. So I just pulled out a few. Maybe it was something like Psalm 117. Praise the Lord all nations. Extol all pe- him all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Or maybe they would pray in Psalm 42. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. Or maybe a passage from Psalm 97, our psalm for today. The Lord loves those who hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. They begin praying and singing and reciting passages just like this. When suddenly there's an earthquake. You know what they thought. All right. God is acting. Things are going to happen. Doors fly open. Chains are set free. Now here, I don't know why they don't get up and run. I do. I think I do know why they don't get up and run, but let me hold that for just a minute. The jailer, he looks at him and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How do I get in on what you've got? Because I saw you beaten in the streets. I saw you brought in here and put in jail. And I heard you singing and praying and not giving up. And your God acts. How do I get get in on a little bit of that? You know, there's so much in this story that I think is so applicable to us. The first thing is the obvious, the power of God. I mean... That, that, that God can deliver them from their enemies. That, that Paul, by the name of Jesus the Messiah, can, can command a, an evil spirit to depart from a young girl. And you and I, we have access to that same power. Right now. Right here. We too have access to that same power. Second thing. There are times in life when the path of providence might seem like it has failed you. Let that sink in for just a minute. Not where you want to be. Things are not turning out the way you thought they would. Oh my word. Lord, I followed you. I listened to you. You said, I'm sure you said to do this. I did it. And things aren't looking good at all. Keep on singing. Keep on praying. Keep on praising. And go ahead and complain a little bit too. You know, there are people who say, I don't think you should complain to God. You you shouldn't complain at all. Well, I always want to say to them, have you ever read the Psalms? There are 150 of them. More than 75 of them are flat out complaints. How long, O Lord? How long? Psalm 13. Will you forget me forever? How long? Four times in the first three verses, the psalmist says, how long? Are you listening? Are you paying attention? But in all these psalms of complaint, these psalms of lament, sometimes in the middle, sometimes way at the end, there's always this little turn. And yet I will trust in the Lord. I will wait upon the Lord. 
You know, Jesus hanging upon the cross cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And a lot of people struggle with that. Jesus isn't just quoting the first verse of the psalm. He's quoting the whole psalm. Read Psalm 22 sometime. Read it all the way through in about verse 22, about in the middle of that, that psalm. All of a sudden there's this sharp turn. There's this, there's this sudden change. Uh, verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, future tense, I will praise you. This isn't the last word. This isn't the final chapter. This is suffering, and I feel like you've forsaken me, but I know you have not. He goes on for the psalmist in Psalm 22, goes on for ten more stanzas, talking about how great God's deliverance is going to be. I know sometimes we feel abandoned, but we're not. We just feel that way. (laughs) And the way you feel is not always... Reality. I know it's perception, and perception is a lot of reality, but it's not always reality. It's the way you feel. Third little application here, that sometimes you need to kick a hornet's nest. Nobody wants to. You know, no, I don't want to. Stay below the radar. That's the Joe Boisel ethos. You know, that's my motto. You know, don't be, get out of the way. Don't start trouble. I find it all the time, but I try not to start it. And then there's that curiosity. Why didn't Paul and Silas run? I would have run. I would have ran. Will you fix that? Whichever way that uh, perfect tense goes. I would have been out of there quickly. I would have said, look, the doors are open. This is God. Let's go. Right? Uh, you Poor Silas would have been so far behind me. Like the old thing about, you know, two guys are out hiking in the woods and and the bear shows up and one bends down and ties his shoes and the the other's like, why aren't you running? And he says, because I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. You know, that's who would have been me. I would have been so fast down that road. Why didn't they leave? I think. Because part of their prayer had been for that jailer. I think they realized the path of providence brought them where they had not expected, but where God had wanted them to be. And by staying, they saved that man's life. And more than that, they saved his soul. Oh, what a great and wonderful God we serve. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you.